Business and Buckets fam, we are live. The big episode 5-1. We over the 50, heading towards the 100. I've been thinking about who I could potentially have as the business episode for episode 100. Maybe even a sports person on. Stay tuned. We got some fun things coming down the road. But before we talk sports, before we talk football, the kickoff of NBA season, MLB playoffs, all that jazz, we're going to talk Fueled Supplements, the one and only sponsored here at Business and Buckets. You know, if it's not broken, why fix it? That's the inspiration behind Fueled Supplements' newest product, Creatine Monohydrate. Why take creatine? Well, creatine monohydrate is one of the most well-researched and effective natural supplements available for increasing muscle performance. Creatine enhances performance by supplying a pool of ATP, which acts as the muscle tissue's primary energy source for fuel during explosive bursts of energy, power, and strength. It's 100 servings, non-GMO, gluten-free, safe, and effective. You guys know the uh, deal. Use the promotion code BUCKETS. For a discount at fueledsupplements.com uh, for 15% off everything but protein. Promotion code buckets B U C K E T S. Well, well, let's talk some NFL headlines. There's a lot of injuries, a lot of IR moves. Um, and the reason I like talking about this each week is if you guys are doing picks, right, you're trying to see the momentum of teams. It's kind of the war of attrition this season. If, if, if they're losing multiple playmakers at specific positions, defense, offense, you know, there's going to be a role that's played, and I like to see what's going on with that. Um, I used to use Roto Sports for player news. Now it's NBC's The Edge, but they give you player updates, so I always refresh that daily. And one of the moves that had happened, the Bengals looking to shore up their defensive secondary. They claim Trey Flowers. Uh, big trade here, Zach Ertz going to the Cardinals. You know, a high-powered offense that's already playing, potentially looks like the best team in football thus far. You add Ertz to the mix, right? Max Williams go, uh, getting hurt for the year. They trade for Zach Ertz. Don't have to give up a lot to get him in return. A true veteran that's been in playoff positions uh, is a speedy tight end that can do a little bit of everything. You put him in with Hopkins, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green. They have weapons galore offensively. They just need to be able to keep Kyler Murray healthy, and Kyler Murray needs to make sure he doesn't take any of those hits, and hopefully they could get that run game, and go, uh, run game going more, especially come playoff time, because you can't just throw yourself to victory. Look at the Bills last night against the Titans, um, which it is Tuesday afternoon, by the way. I'm uh, heading to the new Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. I hate the name. A really cool venue, though. And it's the first big event. The Foo Fighters, the Foo Fighters are coming to town. I've seen them at T-Mobile, the baseball stadium here. One of my favorite concerts. So I'm going to go rock and roll with the Foo Fighters uh, and have a good time tonight. But uh, Russell Wilson added to the IR. No surprise there uh, after the, the crazy finger injury on his throwing hand. Uh, Chris Carson, the IR as well. Supposedly their team is reporting there was no setbacks, but he's going to miss those weeks minimally. Uh, Alex Collins is now dealing with an injury. So you got DJ Dallas, Rashad Penny coming off IR. He might make an appearance, but that Seahawks offense is in flux for sure, especially when you're playing in the NFC West. If you have any hopes of competing, uh, you're already set behind the Rams and the Cardinals. Uh, Christian McCaffrey back on the IR. Terrible news for Panthers fans. Matt Rule has barely had Christian McCaffrey as part of his offense. There's even reports that he's going to consider changing the run first approach 
which their offensive line hasn't played very well. Sam Darnold's been running around for his life. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Chuba Hubbard's done pretty well, uh, but there's only one CMC, that's for sure. Hopefully this isn't a career elongated injury situation. Uh, Kareem Hunt added to the IR. Terrible news for Browns fans as Nick Chubb is also announced out for this Thursday night football game against the Broncos. So no Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. They have Ernest Johnson, uh, who has had some time in their offense through the past couple of years. Uh, but, you know, missing some big names. Hopefully, you know, with Nick Chubb not being in on, on the IR, they're probably expecting him back the next week after a long week. Um, Hunt's going to miss several weeks. Uh, but hopefully that they're back and healthy uh, come playoff time. Uh, Patrick Peterson added to the IR as well. Tough news for the Vikings is that defense hasn't been quite the defense that Mike Zimmer probably envisioned coming into the season. You add one of your, your big offseason acquisitions to the IR. Hopefully it's a short term uh, as it is a hamstring, which we know Patrick's getting a little older. A big reason why the Cardinals were willing to let him go. So uh, blessings up to him. Caleb Farley last night, Titans cornerback, tears ACL, going to be out for the year. Uh, they're they're pretty thin at the corner position, uh, so he's going to be out for the year. Hopefully they can get some other, other bodies back. For the, the Hot Ravens, their run game and offense, Ronnie Staley added to the end of uh, season-ending IR, which is a very brutal loss for them. He is a big body, one of their, their best players up front, and they're definitely going to miss him. It's going to be interesting to see how that impacts them going forward, even though they looked really good this past week. Um, David Bakhtiari coming off the IR for the Packers soon, which will be huge to add to their offensive line, add to Aaron Jones in the run, running game, and just allowing Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers more time for connections. Uh, Paris Campbell expected to be on the IR. Mike or T.Y. Hilton coming off. Uh, had his first performance last week. Actually played really well. Interested to see how that offense develops with Wentz and, and crew as Wentz is actually playing pretty good football right now. Um, they say Michael Thomas is still a couple weeks away from coming back. That Saints offense is you know, missing him heavily, so hopefully he comes back healthy, uh, full motion right into the mix for that, that Saints offense as they need him. Jerry Judy should be back week eight. Uh, we're, we're heading into uh, week, what week are we heading into? Week seven, so you know, still a little bit out, uh, but... They're, they're, they could use all the weapons that they, you know, they, they've had KJ Hamler out. They've had Jerry Judy out. No offense dealing with injuries. So uh, he, he's the main guy. Cortland Sutton's done really well in his absence. But you know that Teddy Bridgewater and crew would love to have him back on the field. Uh, Stephon Gilmore could play this week for the Panthers. The big trade that they got as the Patriots announced that they were going to cut him. Got him for a six-round pick. They could use the, the depth in the secondary as C.J. Henderson still battling injuries. And uh, their they're rookie cornerback most likely out for most of the year, if not all the year. Haven't seen an update on that for J.C. Horn. The Steelers had the Hall of Fame celebration for the Sunday night football game. Paul Amalu, um, uh, Coach Cower, the whole crew being there. Um, thought it was funny as one of the fans was wearing a Seahawks uniform and wanted to get um, some memorabilia or some of the items from Paul Amalu. Paul Amalo said, hey, I'll give you a terrible towel if you give me that Seahawks jersey. You can't have that anymore. He did the swap, so uh, pretty cool that that fan was able to get a terrible towel from Troy Palomalu. Uh Wonder if he has any soft spot on the, in his heart for the Steelers. Um, but it was really cool to see that celebration. Heinz filled rock and rolling, and even though it was an overtime victory, 
for the Steelers to come back to 500. I am wearing a Juju Smith Ju- uh, Schuster jersey with his injury season ending, potentially his last week playing in a Steeler. I wanted to give him some love. Uh, one of my favorite players uh, the past few years offensively. He just uh, you know, doesn't make the big splash plays. I mean, he did his rookie year, but having to do a lot of the dirty work, very Heinz Ward-esque. I know I've talked about that a lot, and it's just a bummer that he could potentially be on his way out. I hope with the cap space they could find a deal that makes sense on both sides uh, for both parties. So let's talk what happened in week six. We started off Thursday night, Buccaneers beating the Eagles 28-22. to uh, really, the Bucks were were throttled down. Looked like they're about to blow the Eagles out of the water, but the Eagles did have some life. Tom Brady again nursing that that thumb injury, but he goes 34, 42, 297, two touchdowns and a pick for 102 rating. Uh, Leonard Fournette still running the ball pretty well. They gave him 22 carries uh, for 81 yards, which is a 3.7 per average. Nothing great there, but he he's getting the the you know bore share of the workload as Ronald Jones only had five carries. Leonard Fournette with two tutties. And then the leading receiver, again, Antonio Brown, the guy that Tom Brady fought to have on the squad. He gets nine catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. O.J. Howard finally makes an appearance. He gets six catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown as well. Mike Evans held the two catches for 27. And Chris Godwin only five catches for 43 yards. Uh, For the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, um, tough day in the office against that very stiff uh, front seven of, of Tampa. He went 12 of 26, 115 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Um, the the running game for the, the Eagles, definitely a mess. I think I didn't see the Eagles run the ball until the second half, which they were down big at that point. So still really confused how Miles Sanders isn't a part of that offense. He had nine carries for 56 yards, which is a 6.2 average. Uh, Jalen ran the ball 10 times for 44 yards with an additional two touchdowns. And then the leading receiver, Quez Watkins, three catches, 44 yards. For the Eagles, uh, Zach Ertz getting a touchdown, right? He got traded after, wasn't eligible to play that Sunday, but will be making his first appearance for his new bird squad, the Cardinals, this Sunday. Defensively, another Montana guy, Montana State, Alex Singleton still out there balling, 15 total tackles with the pass defended. Um, the Bucks got two sacks on the Eagles. Anthony Harris with an interception uh, for the... Uh, Eagles and Jamal, Jamel Dean getting an interception for the Bucks. Statistically, the Buccaneers 7 of 13 on third down, pretty solid. The Eagles a poor 3 of 10, but they were 1 for 1 on fourth down. The Bucks out yarded the Eagles by 180 yards, had outpossessed them by 19 minutes, and the turnover battle was tied 1 1. So it, it seemed close in the score, but really. It was a lot worse than what the score had shown. I didn't watch the full game personally, but the Bucks moved to 5-1. They're defending champion season looking pretty strong this far. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little stuffed up. Woke up this morning, kind of have a head cold or something going on. Hopefully I could get out of that. Uh, but yeah, a little, little stuffy, so apologize for the, the sniffles. Um on Sunday morning, early London game, back-to-back London games. London gets the amazing crowd of Jaguars versus Dolphins. But hey, the, the Jaguars find a way to get their first victory. They defeat the Dolphins 23-20. to Trevor Lawrence, 25-41, 319 yards and a touchdown. Uh, James Robinson pitching in as well. 
getting 17 carries for 73 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the leading receiver for the Jags, Marvin Jones Jr., the veteran, seven catches, 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, offensively for Miami, Tua is back in action. He goes 33 of 47, 329, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, the run game for the Dolphins, still a mess. Really nothing that makes sense. Uh, Malcolm Brown leads the team with 24 yards on five carries. Ahmed gets 70 or seven carries for 22 yards. And Miles Gaskin, five for nine. They ran 20 times for 77, which is a 3.9 per average on the unit. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're just literally trying to get a guy momentum or what's going on there. But uh, offensively, uh, with you know the lack of receivers, uh, lack of their number one options, Mike Gusecki fills in. He gets eight catches for 115 yards. And Jalen Waddell with a nice 10 receptions for 70 yards, but two touchdowns as well. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, the Dolphins were able to get two sacks. Uh, Damian Wilson for the Jags with 12 tackles. Rashawn Jenkins with 10 tackles and a pass defended. Uh, Nevin Lawson with a pick for the Jaguars. And statistically, the Jags going 3 of 12 on third, which is pretty terrible. 2 for 3 on fourth. Seen a lot more teams going for it on fourth down. The Dolphins 9 of 17 on third, 1 of 2 on fourth. Uh, Yardage-wise, the uh, Dolphins out-yarded the Jags by about 40 yards. And the turnover battle was tied 1-1. And the Dolphins out-possessed the Jaguars by five minutes, but weren't able to find a way to win. Let's see. But, hey, the Jaguars find their way in the win column. Uh, I saw a photo of Trevor Lawrence over Urban Meyer. Uh, interested to see what happens there with the coach, but he gets his first victory outside of the States. And we move on to some more Sunday action. We had an NFC North rivalry game. The Packers owning the bears per usual as Aaron Rodgers said, I still own you. I still own you. The bears fans flipped him off. Uh, but yeah, you could own them all you want. Head your way to Pittsburgh. We'll own them next year as well. Uh, the Packers win 24 to 14. Offensively, Mr. Rogers, a cool 17 of 23, 195 yards and two touchdowns. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon getting pretty good action. Jones with 13 carries for 76 yards. That's 5.8 per average. He had a long of 28. And A.J. Dillon with 11 carries for 59 yards. It's a 5.4 average with a long run of 36 yards. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did run one in for a touchdown as well. And the leading receiver, of course, Devontae Adams, four catches, 89 yards. Aaron Jones got a touchdown uh, receiving, and Lazard did as well. And for the Bears, Justin Fields, another start in the NFL. 16-27, 174, a touchdown and a pick. And with Damian Williams and COVID protocol, Khalil Herbert getting the carries. He gets 19 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown. That's a 5.1 per carry average. And Allen Robinson leading the team receiving for four catches for 53 yards. Um, defensively, Raquan Smith, always a double digit guy getting 12 tackles, Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, both chipping in for a sack, Akeem Hicks, as they got three sacks on the Packers. Um, they're going to love having Bakhtiari back for the Packers. Kenny Clark getting two of his own, um, Dean Lowry and Jonathan Garvin, as they got four sacks, Darnell Savage gets the pick and statistically the bears go, uh, two of, or four of 11 on third down. The Packers, a very poor two of eight. Uh, the Packers get a fourth down conversion one for one and the bears one for two 
Yardage-wise, the Packers out yard the Bears by 50. They win the turnover battle 1-0 to the Bears and outpossess them by five minutes. The Packers move on, add another one to the win column, 5-1, the Bears 3-3, three three, uh, which, hey, this far, they're, they're, they're still relevant. They're still, they're still fighting. Let's see how Justin Fields develops in that offense. The Bengals straight blow out the Lions as the Lions probably have their worst showing of the season, even though they're over. Joe Burrow, 19-29, 271, three touchdowns and a pick. Jared Goff, 28 for 42, 202 yards and an interception. I had talked about if the Lions wanted to win games, they're going to have to keep offenses off the field, play good defense, live with their offense, and run the ball. Ragnar out for the year. Their offense and their running game is a mess. DeAndre Swift had 13 carries for 24 yards. That's a 1.8 per run average. He did get a touchdown. Um, Jamal Williams with only four carries for 11 yards. And TJ Hawkinson leading the offense with eight catches for 74. Swift did get five catches for 43 yards as well. Uh, Joe Mixon continued to ball out. 18 carries, 94 yards for a 5.2 average. Jamar Chase, that, that LSU connection going strong. Four catches, 97 yards. Joe Mixon also getting 59 yards and a touchdown. Uh, as a receiver and then defensively the Lions get two sacks on the Bengals the, the Bengals get a sack but Wyoming Cowboy representing Logan Wilson again with another interception as this Bengals defense might be legit Amani Aruwari uh, with the pick for the Lions as well statistically the Bengals 8 of 15 on third down the Lions 5 of 14 the Bengals 2-2 two two on fourth. The Lions 1-2. for two. And yardage-wise, the Bengals 170 yards uh, out yarded the Lions by 170 yards. The turnover battle was 1-1. And the Bengals, of course, outpossessed the Lions by 11 minutes. Dark days and Lions, as Dan Campbell calls out, Jared Goff needs to perform better. They have a long ways to go. A long ways to go. All right. Well, the Texans blow out the... Uh, Excuse me. The Colts blow out the Texans 31 to three Carson Wentz, man, 11 to 20, 223 and two, uh, touchdowns and Jonathan Taylor really putting the team on his back. Only 14 carries, but 145 yards for a 10.4 per run average. He gets two touchdowns as well. And T Y Hilton back in action, leading the receiving core four catches, 80 yards for the Texans. Davis Mills still there. Tyrod, not back yet. 29 of 43, 243 with two picks. Uh, Mark Ingram getting 18 carries uh, for 73 yards, which is a decent 4.1 on average. Uh, Lindsey getting seven carries for 39 yards as well. And Brandon Cooks, of course, leading the receiving core, nine catches for 89 yards. Uh, David Johnson did fumble the ball. Kari Willis was able to recover. And Bobby Okariki with 14 tackles and a QB hit. Kenny Moore, 10 tackles and a tackle for loss. Very impressive day there. Jonathan Greenland for the Texans with two sacks. Isaiah Rogers and Darius Leonard, the stud middle linebacker with picks on the day. Statistically, the Colts 3 of 10 on third. The or Texans 9 of 17. Uh, Yardage-wise, the Colts out-yard the Texans by 30. The turnover battle was won 3-0 by the Colts. And the Texans did have the ball nine minutes longer than the Colts did. Wasn't able to do anything except a lousy field goal. As they're one and five, the Colts two and four looking to improve. Uh, look a lot better than a two and four team. 
Fun game here. The Rams are not a fun game. Another blowout game here. The Rams blow out the Giants 38-11. to Matt Stafford's loving LA 22-28, 251, four touchdowns and a pick. And he's also loving his number one receiver, Cooper Cup, nine catches, 131 yards, and two touchdowns on 12 targets. You would assume defenses would focus in on him. Uh, Darrell Henderson did get 21 carries on the ground with a lot of that uh, lead and, and trying to run out some clock. He got 78 yards, which is a 3.7 per average with a tutty. And for the Giants, Daniel Jones throwing the ball 51 times, 29 for 51, 242 yards with three picks on the day. After all that momentum, gets the concussion, comes back, lousy performance. It's going to be an up-and-down season for him, but he's going, to got to, he's going to have to figure it out if he wants to stay in the NFL. Devontae Booker, 12 carries, 41 yards for a 3.4 average in um, – filling in for the stud Saquon Barkley, who's out with injury. And Sterling Shepard leading the way for the Giants receivers, 10 catches, 76 yards, as Kadarius Toney might have a serious injury to add to their injury woes to that receiving core. Hopefully Kenny Galladay will be back. I got him in fantasy team, so I need him to be back. Um, Daniel Jones did fumble the ball as well. Um, Tay Crowder with 10 tackles for the Giants. Leonard Williams still beast in that defensive line with a sack and a half. Uh, Jordan Fuller with 11 tackles for the for the Rams. And Leonard Floyd getting a sack and a half as well. They got to Danny Dimes and crew four times on the day. And UW alum, Taylor Rapp, Husky alum, two t- interceptions on the day. Robert Ro- Rochelle with a pick. And Xavier McKinney with two picks for the Giants. <laughs> Statistically... The Rams 2 for 11 on third, the Giants 4 for 15, and yardage-wise, the Rams out-yarded the Giants by 100, uh, won the turnover battle 2 to 4, but they still had 2 on the day, and out-possessed the Giants by uh, 6 minutes. So moving on, we had the Chiefs, even though it looks like a blowout, escaping the Washington football team 31 to 13, it was a lot closer until the end of the game. Pat Mahomes, 32-47, 397, two touchdowns. Still having issues with the turnovers. He had two interceptions. And Darrell Williams filling in for Clyde's Edwards Hilaire goes 21, uh, gets 21 carries for 62 yards, which is a three uh, average, but does get two touchdowns. And Travis Kelce leading the receiving core for the uh, Chiefs, eight receptions, 99 yards. Tyreek Hill did find his way into the end zone as well as Demarcus Robinson. For the Washington football team. I wish they would change that name. Taylor Heineke, 24 of 39, 182 touchdown and a pick. And J.D. McKissick getting eight carries for 45 yards, which is a 5.6 average. Antonio Gibson battling that shin injury. Did get 10 carries, but only 44 yards for a 4.4 average. And J.D. McKissick leading the team as a receiver. Eight catches, 65 yards to have over 100 on the day. Um, defensively, Jamin Davis of the Washington football team with 11 tackles and a QB hit Cole Holcomb with 10 tackles, a sack and a QB hit and a pass defended. Um, the, the Washington football team was able to sack the chiefs three times. The lousy chiefs offense with no sacks on the day, but Trey Sean Wharton did get a pick Bobby McCain and uh, Kendall Fuller with picks on the Washington side of the ball. Statistically, the Chiefs 11 of 17 on third down. They're always doing well in that department. One of two on fourth. Uh, Washington 7 of 14 on third down. The Chiefs outpossessed the um, Washington football team by 130 yards. 
did lose the turnover battle three to two and outpossessed the Washington football team by seven minutes. But they need to fix that turnover situation, fix their defense if they want to find a way to get back to the Super Bowl. That's my preseason pick. It's a long season. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not where some of the analysts are that's like, oh, their season's over. They'll be lucky to make the playoffs. They are three and three, even though they've had so many issues. You get Clyde's Edwards Hilaire back. Maybe you trade for Marlon Mack. Uh, the defenses improves with some of their stud players back in action, getting that chemistry. Time will tell. Time will tell. It's a tough AFC West right now, though, with a lot of young guns. All right. The game that I was most excited for on the week, Vikings-Panthers, goes into overtime, and the Vikings still won on the road. Captain Kirk, 33 of 48, 373 and three touchdowns for 112 rating. Dalvin Cook, you know, my number one back in the league, uh, outside of Mr. Derrick Henry, because that is a grown-ass man. The most agile, athletic running back in the league. 29 carries, 140 yards for a 4.8 average with a tutty. And Adam Thielen leading the way as he usually does. 11 catches on 13 targets for 126 yards and a touchdown. For the Panthers offense, Sam Darnold throwing the ball 41 times. Not a very good recipe. Uh, 17 of 41, 207 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Chuba Hubbard, 16 carries, 61 yards for a 3.8 average and a touchdown. And then DJ Moore leading the receiving core with five catches for 73 yards. Robbie Anderson found his way into the end zone. Sam Darnold lost a fumble as well as DJ Moore. Uh, Keith Taylor Jr. for the Panthers, 10 tackles, three passes defended. Jermaine Carter Jr., 10 tackles with a tackle for loss. And Sean Chandler, 10 tackles on the day. They didn't get a sack on the Minnesota Vikings. That improved offensive line. And Harrison Smith had nine tackles for the Vikings. Uh, they found a way to get four sacks on the day and Brashad Breland with an interception. Statistically, the Panthers, two of 12 on third down. That's brutal. The Vikings, seven of 16. But the Panthers were two, of tw uh, two for two on fourth down. Um, the, or the Vikings out-yarded the Panthers by 270 yards. So big disperse, even though it was closer than you'd expect. Uh, and they did lose the battle 3-1 to one to the Vikings and were out-possessed by 11 minutes. The fact that this game was that close is honestly shocking. Uh, the Ravens destroy the Chargers. Probably the biggest surprise on the day. The Chargers offense held to the 6 points. The final score, 34-6. Justin Herbert, 22-39, 195, a touchdown and a pick. And he actually led the team in rushing with 12 yards, even though Eckler had 6 carries and Joshua Kelly with 4. Uh, Keenan Allen led the receiving core with five catches for 50 yards as Mike Williams was shadowed all day um, by Marlon Humphrey and wasn't able to, to get a lot, also battling the knee injury. For the Ravens offense, fly Ravens fly, 19-27, 167 yards and a touchdown with two picks for Lamar Jackson. Uh, the running back stable, uh, a mix as Latavius Murray gets an injury. Freeman with nine carries for 53 yards, which is a 5.9 average and a touchdown. Latavius Murray with nine carries for 44 yards for a 4.9 average and a touchdown. And Le'Veon Bell getting eight carries for 18 yards, which is a terrible 2.3. He gets a touchdown as well, though. Uh, Mark Andrews, that connection going strong with Lamar. Five catches, 68 yards and a touchdown. And defensively, the Ravens with two sacks. 
the Chargers with three. Kaiser White for the Chargers with two picks. Deshaun Elliott with the, for the Ravens with one. Statistically, the uh, Ravens 6 of 11 on third. The um, Chargers 3 of 12. But Brandon Staley continually going for it on fourth down. One of no early, somewhat early in the game as they're down a couple scores. They're at like their own 30-yard line. Fourth and one, basically saying if we can't get a, a yard, I guess we don't deserve to win the game. As that put the Ravens right in the red zone. They're one for four on fourth downs. Uh, the coach that looked brilliant last week with those decisions and a higher conversion rate just has the balls to do it again, and it does not quite work out for him. It will be interesting to see how he manage that, manages that down the road. Yardage-wise, the Ravens out-yard the, the Chargers by 120, and they win or they lose the battle on the turnovers 2-1, to one, but out-possess the Chargers for 17 minutes. The Cardinals still undefeated, going to 6-0 against the very beat-up Browns, 37-14. Kyler Murray in MVP form, 20 for 30, 229, and four tutties for a 129 rating. James Conner leading the backfield, 16 carries, 71 yards. That's a 4.4 average. Chase Edmonds only getting four carries for 46, but 11.5 average. And surprising, the leading receiver, A.J. Green, 5 for 79 and a touchdown. Christian Kirk adding a touchdown and DeAndre Hopkins getting pay dirt twice in the game. For the Browns, Baker Mayfield and his torn labrum, 19 for 28, 234, two touchdowns and a pick. And before Kareem Hunt goes out, uh, he led the team running 14 carries for 66 yards. It's a 4.7 average. And a lot of this coming from a Hail Mary before half, but Donovan Peoples-Jones leading the team in receiving four, car- or four catches, 101 yards, and two touchdowns, and the long Hail Mary for 57 yards. Uh, Baker Mayfield did uh, fumble the ball twice. And Jordan Hicks with two sacks. Marcus Golden with two sacks on the day for the Cardinals. And as a team, the Browns are able to get two sacks. Robert Alford getting the pick for the Cardinals. Statistically, the Browns 3 of 10 on third. The Cardinals 8 of 15. Yardage-wise, the Cardinals out-yarded the Browns by 60 yards and won the turnover battle 3 to 0 while out-possessing the Browns by 9 minutes. They just keep finding ways to win. Very impressed. I thought they were a year out. They might prove me wrong, though. We'll see. The Raiders beating the divisional foe Broncos um, on the road, 34-24. to uh, It was interesting to see how the team would respond after the whole coaching situation. But Derek Carr goes 18-27, 341 yards, two touchdowns for 134 rating. Josh Jacobs, 16 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. That's a 3.3 average. And Henry Ruggs leading the way. The barn burner, three catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown with a long catch of 48 yards. <coughs> On the Broncos' side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater, 35 for 49, 334 yards, three touchdowns, but three picks. You got to be able to run the ball more. 49 times is not going to cut it. Uh, Javante Williams, 11 carries, 53 yards. It's a 4.8 average. He had a long run of 30. And Melvin Gordon, 10 carries, 50 yards for a 5 average. The leading receiver, my fantasy tight end, Noah Fant, eight catches, 97 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets. And Cortland Sutton uh, getting eight catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Tim Patrick finding the end zone as well. Defensively, Corey Littleton and Denzel Perryman continue to be sack machines. 
Littleton has 11 tackles, a half a sack, a pass defended, and a QB hit. Perryman, 11 tackles on the day. Nate Hobbs, 11 tackles on the day as well for the Raiders. Um, how about Max Crosby? Gets three sacks on the day, six tackles, three sacks, a tackle for the loss, a pass defended, and five QB hits as the team gets five total sacks. And for the Broncos, they find a way to get to Derek Carr twice. But the uh, Raiders had three picks, one by Trayvon Morig, Jonathan Abram, and Brandon uh, Faison. Statistically, the Broncos 5 of 14 on third. The Raiders, the Raiders 4 of 11 on third down. But the Raiders outyard the Broncos by five and win the turnover battle 4 to 0. The fact this was only a 10 point game is, is pretty crazy. Um, the Broncos did outpossess the Raiders by nine minutes. And then we have potentially game of the week. As the Cowboys escape the Patriots in New England on the road, 35-29 to in overtime, um, Dak Prescott looking like an MVP candidate, 36-51, of 445, three touchdowns and a pick. I believe they said this is the first QB to throw over 400 yards on Bill Belichick. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, 17 carries, 69 yards for a 4.1 average. And CeeDee Lamb leading the way offensively, nine receptions, 149 yards and a two touchdowns. Also had the walk-off touchdown in overtime for the Patriots. Mac Jones, 15-21, 229, two touchdowns and a pick. Still playing pretty solid ball. Uh, Damian Harris, 18 carries, 51 yards for a 5.6 average with a touchdown. As he was hobbling off the field, Ramondre Stevenson stole a touchdown as well. Boomer Sooner, baby. And Kendrick Bourne leading the receiving core. One catch, but had a 75-yard touchdown right after Mac Jones threw a pick. He goes yard. Shows the confidence and the swagger he has. Um, defensively, Jawan Bentley, 13 tackles and a tackle for loss for New England. Um, for the Cowboys, Randy Gregory really filling in well for Demarcus Lawrence. He gets two sacks on the day as the team only had two and the Patriots weren't find a way, weren't able to find a way to get to Dak. Trayvon Diggs with the pick. Kyle Duggar with the pick for the Patriots. Trayvon Diggs just adding it up every game. Uh, they keep, keep talking about what his pace is, what he's doing, and I say there's no way in hell, but each game he finds a way to get the ball. Uh, pretty crazy, pretty crazy. And then we have the Sunday night game. I was at the casino. Hey, you know, won a couple, won 400 bucks at the casino. Had fun watching it amidst a bunch of Seahawks fans. I was able to smoke a cigar. It was a good time. As a Steelers fan, it's brutal that this had gone into overtime. The Steelers did find a way to get to 500 with the win of the Geno Smith-led Seahawks, 23-20. to uh, Big Ben was 29 for 40, 229 and a touchdown. Najee Harris, 24 carries for 81 yards, but a pedestrian 3.4 average. And Deontay Johnson leading the way for the receiving core, 9 catches, 71 yards. You would think with the Juju injury, James Washington would be more prevalent. One catch for 9 yards, uh, head scratcher for sure. For the Seahawks, Geno, 23-32, 209 yards and a touchdown. Alex Collins filling in for the injured um, Carson. He goes 20 for uh, 101 yards. It's a 5.1 average and a touchdown against that very good Steelers run defense. And DK Metcalf leading the receiving core, six catches, 58 yards. I was shocked that the Seahawks didn't try to have the big plays go deep for uh, Lockett and DK more than they did. 
Um, defensively, Bobby Wagner, always a tackling machine. He gets 14 tackles, eight solo. Jordan Brooks with 14 tackles, seven solo. Um, for the Steelers, TJ Watt with the game-defining moments in overtime. He gets two sacks, seven tackles, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, three passes defended with two QB hits. Uh, Cam Hayward with nine tackles and a sack. Alex Highsmith pitching in with a sack and a half as well as they got to Geno five times. Um, but Cam Hayward looking like a, a defensive player of the year candidate for sure. Um, statistically, the Steelers, 5 of 14 on third. The Seahawks, a really terrible 3 for 12. Both teams not doing very well there. The Steelers out, or out yard the Seahawks by about 35. Uh, the turnover battle was tied 1-1. And the Steelers out the Seahawks by 8 minutes. But find a way to victory. A win is a win. And then the Monday night game. A little bit of a shocker as the Titans find a way to beat the Bills again, this time at home. Uh, Tannehill, 18-29, 216 yards and a pick. But this was the King Henry show. He had a 76-yard touchdown, 20 carries, a buck 43, which is 7.2 per carry average with three tutties on the day. And then A.J. Brown, they're happy to have him back. Seven catches, 91 yards. Julio Jones played before uh, getting hurt again, but had three catches for 59. On the Bills offense, Josh Allen, 35 of 47, 353, three touchdowns and a pick. The run game for the Bills still non-existent. Devin Singletary led the way with 27 yards on five carries, which is a 5.4 average. Meanwhile, Josh Allen had nine for 26. Zach Moss, eight for 24, which is a three-yard average. And then the leading receiver, Emmanuel Sanders, seeming to be a great fit in this offense. Five catches, 91 yards. And Stephon Diggs got nine catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Cole Beasley found uh, a way into the red zone as well. Or the end zone, excuse me. Uh, defensively for the Titans, David Long Jr., 14 tackles. Harold Landry III with two sacks. Um, Tremaine Edmonds with, for, for the Bills with 10 tackles. And they didn't find a way to get to Tannehill. Um, the pass rush is a big thing of note that they needed to improve if they wanted to win the whole thing. Jordan Poirier with an interception and Kevin Byard with an interception for the Titans. Statistically, the Titans 4-10 on third. The Bills 7-13. The Bills out-yarded the Titans by 50. The turnover battle was an even 1-1. And the Bills out-possessed the Titans 32-27. But couldn't find a way to victory. Uh, pretty interesting week six. Not a lot of big dog matchups, but Vikings-Panthers, Vikings finding a way to be 3-3. Three and three. The Panthers fall to 3-3 three and three after the hot start. The Ravens looking super improved. Um, also, the Cowboys beating the Patriots in overtime, and the Titans finding a way to show that the Bills aren't unstoppable. So what the hell do we have this week? Well, this week on Thursday night, we have Browns, Broncos, supposedly Baker Mayfield. Will he play or not? That's up to him. It's going to be interesting to see how that's managed. Uh, the Broncos on the road, but still a very tough 3-3 three and three team themselves. Um, I'm going to take the Browns in that game. I don't feel comfortable with it, especially with no Chubb, no... Um, uh, who's their backup running back? It just went hurt. Uh, no Chubb or... Cream uh, Hunt. So, yeah, their bread and butter is taken away from them. We'll see how they respond. I just It's hard for me to pick, want to pick the Broncos. Uh, on Sunday morning, we have Packers hosting the Washington football team. Uh, give me the pack in that one. They're favored by 9.5. I doubt they cover the spread. 
It's the NFL. Uh, Titans hosting the Chiefs. That's going to be a fun one. The Chiefs are favored by five and a half. I'm going to take the Chiefs on the road, but I'm not going to take them to cover. Uh, Derrick Henry, fantasy owners, uh, you're going to be blessed. I'm sure he's going to have a massive day, though. Dolphins hosting the Falcons. I'm going to take the Dolphins. The Falcon, Falcons are favored by two and a half. I'm going to go upset here after Tua's back, get some chemistry, gets a few uh, receivers coming back. Devontae Parker, I believe Will Fuller is still going to be out, uh, but I think they find a way to win, so I'm going to take the Dolphins in an upset. The Patriots hosting the Jets. These are always good games in the rivalry game. The Patriots fa uh, favored by seven. I don't think they cover, but I'm taking the Pats at home. The Giants are hosting the Panthers. Uh, Danny Dimes in that offense is a complete shit show. Uh, they, they're having injury issues. I, th I think Sam Darnold and crew find a way to win on the road to go to four and three. Give me the Panthers. Ravens hosting the Bengals in a massive, massive AFC North battle. The Bengals somehow four and two. The Ravens five and one. This is going to be fun to watch as the Ravens are somehow favored by six. I am going to take the Ravens because they're at home. This should be a little bit of big brother, little brother. But last time I said that the Bengals beat the Steelers, but I can't pick against the Ravens. Ronnie Staley is a huge loss for them. Uh, the Bengals have a lot of offensive power and their defense has really improved. We'll see if they can stop Lamar Jackson. I mean, let's look at this. I know that last year Joe Burrow was out. I don't know if it's going to let me easily access this. 2020. So last year, the Ravens beat the Bengals 27-3 and 38-3. So straight destroyed them. Uh, yeah, uh, probably a good thing to <laughs> pick the Ravens. Uh, the Raiders hosting the Eagles. As the Raiders look pretty good <clears throat> post-Gruden era. Um, at home against Jalen Hurts, the terrible offensive play calling that they've had with Nick Sirianni at the, at the helm. I'm going to take the Raiders at home. They're favored by three. I'll take them to cover. The Rams hosting the Lions. They're favored by 15 at home as the Lions look pathetic in their last matchup. Uh, 15 is a tough spread to cover, but I'm going to take the, Lions, or the Rams, and I'm taking them to cover. Uh, the Cardinals hosting the 1-5 Texans. The only undefeated team, I believe, is going to stay undefeated. They're favored by 17.5. I doubt they cover that spread, though. Um, Sunday afternoon, the Buccaneers hosting the Bears. This should be a fun one. We'll see how Justin Fields and squad could do. Uh, the Bucks are favored by 12 and a half. I'm going to take them at home, but I don't think they cover. I think it's a lot closer than expected. Um, they got to be able to find the Bears got to find a way to take advantage of that beat up secondary of the Buccaneers. And I think that Bears defense slows down the run game. Tom Brady is going to have to be Tom Brady. Uh, the 49ers hosting the Colts. They're favored by three and a half. Uh, it looks like it's going to be the Jimmy G show as Trey Lance isn't quite back. I'm going to go with the Niners just because of all the positional players they have, especially that defense. They're favored by three and a half. I doubt they cover. This should be a very close game on Sunday night on NBC. Should be a fun one. Uh, again, T.Y. Hilton back, seeing that chemistry with Carson Wentz. And then headed into Monday night, the Seahawks hosting the Saints. Um, Jameis Winston in that offense trying to find ways to win without Kamara doing everything uh, before Michael Thomas comes back. And Geno Smith and squad trying to stay relevant. Chris Carson on IR, Russell Wilson on IR. I'm going to take the Saints in that defense on the road coming into Seattle to Lumen Field. The Saints are favored by five. I don't think they cover. My picks thus far have been pretty solid. Let's see. I am 64 for 32, so I continually to do twice as good as I uh, 
twice as many wins as I do losses. And I was eight and six last week. Tough week. Looking to get back. I'll post my parlays and some action on the Twitter at Podcast Buckets coming for you guys. We're getting there through the season, man. Um, I'll probably do a power rankings next week. I was going to do it this week, but I did my NBA season predictions. I don't want the show to be a three-hour show. Um, but let's talk college football because, yeah, there's just a lot of little things happening in college football. Uh, the updated rankings come out. The top four, if you didn't know, you got Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Alabama back in the top four. This is not the college football playoff committee's rankings that should come out the first week of November. Uh, this is still the AP rankings, so you know not necessarily the final positioning. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing a one-loss one Alabama team in the Final Four already, even though it is uh, Week 8. Um, my overreaction, or overrated, underrateds, are pretty similar to last week. <clears throat> you know, there was some upsets and some action in the, the rankings. Uh, obviously, with the Iowa loss, they dropped nine spots. Kentucky dropped four. Texas A&M and NC State climbed four. Auburn, Baylor, Pittsburgh, UTSA, and Purdue enter the rankings um, I think really when it comes to overrated, I still think Iowa and that pathetic offense is overrated at number 11. Um, Cincinnati, I know that their record and ranking is what it is, but I do not think that they're better than, I don't think they could beat Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio state. So what is that? One, two, three, four, for sure. Could they beat Penn state? If Clifford's there, probably not. Um, Michigan State, Oregon, Ole Miss, Florida even, those types of teams, it's hard for me to agree with that. So that's why I have them as overrated. Um, I have Michigan overrated at 6. Notre Dame overrated at 13. Kentucky overrated at 15. Wake Forest overrated at 16. They're 6-0. and um, North Carolina State overrated at 18. South Dakota or San Diego State overrated at 22. They're undefeated as well. Um, Arizona State I had, but they're out of the rankings. I think Oklahoma State is overrated at number eight. They are undefeated. Uh, UTSA entering the rankings. I don't believe that they belong there. Um, but a couple underrateds. I think that Ole Miss is still underrated uh, at 12. Matt Carell, Coral might not play this week, so it will be interesting to keep your eye on that. And I think that Texas is underrated as well at, are they even in here? Well, I guess Texas did, they're not even in there. So yeah, they're underrated. I think they should be in there. And Pittsburgh, the Kenny Pickett led Pittsburgh Panthers five and one at 23. I think they're underrated. They're going to keep moving up as Pickett had a huge win against Virginia Tech. So let's talk what happened last week. Um, heading into Friday, Oregon squeaking by California. Uh, the Cal, 1-5 Cal squad. Uh, Travis Dye leading the way on the ground, per usual. 19 carries, 145 yards, and a touchdown. San Diego State, I've said they're overrated. They barely squeaked by San Jose State in double overtime on the road in Friday's action. Uh, Jordan Brookshire, the QB for San Diego State, 1327, 132 yards. They only ran for 70 yards as a unit. Um, the turnover battle was 1-1. I'm not too sure how they won this game when San Jose State out-yarded them by 120. 
Um, no special teams touchdowns. But they found a way in double overtime. They found a way. Uh, Saturday's action. Caleb Williams, Superman, led Oklahoma Sooners, destroys TCU 52-31 as they stay undefeated, move up in the in, in the top four. Um, that Oklahoma defense not looking as sharp, though. Max Dugan, 20 for 30, 346 yards and four touchdowns. Um, the run game that was non-existent, the poor offensive play uh, that was that didn't perform very well for Oklahoma seems all but fixed. Caleb Williams, 18 to 23, 295 yards and four touchdowns. Kennedy Brooks, 20 carries, 153 yards. It's a 7.7 average and a touchdown. And Caleb Williams, the the dual true dual threat, nine carries, 66 yards and a touchdown. Offensively, watch out for the Sooners, but that defense better shore up if they want to have a shot. Big SEC matchup Saturday morning. Georgia handling Kentucky as expected. I do think Kentucky is a little overrated. They live by the run game. Well, they had 27 attempts for 51 yards as a unit. That's 1.9 per rush. Um, that Georgia Bulldog defense is the real deal. Stetson Bennett still in at quarterback, 1420, 250, and three touchdowns. Um, Brock Bowers leading the receiving core, five catches, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Georgia rolls 30 to 13. The big upset of the week, even though they're hella overrated, they should be better than the Purdue Boilermakers. Purdue smokes the Hawks 24 to 7. <coughs> Spencer P Petrus for Iowa, a bad 17 to 32, 195 yards, and not one, not two, but four interceptions for a 16 QBR. That's why their offense, you can't just live by defense within the NCAA system, as there's so many high powered offenses. Aiden O'Connell for uh, Purdue, 30 of 40, 375, and two touchdowns. And David Bell getting 11 catches, 241 yards, and a touchdown with a long reception of 60 yards. Cincinnati uh, handling UCF, one of the better opponents at the start of the year. Obviously, they don't have their starting quarterback, but Desmond Ritter, 13-23, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Jerome Ford, 20 carries for 189 yards. That's a 9.5 average and four tutties on the day for, the, uh, for Cincinnati. Alabama absolutely destroying Mississippi State. Bryce Young, probably the Heisman favorite, 20-28, 348 yards and four touchdowns. And John Mechie the third, the superstar receiver for Alabama, seven catches, 117 yards and a touchdown. Bama rolls 49-9. Michigan State surviving Indiana, a preseason top-ranked team, but with injuries have fallen off. Uh, Peyton Thorne, 14-26, 126 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions. And Kenneth Walker held in check, 23 carries, 84 yards, a 3.7 average. But they do find a way to beat Indiana. They stay undefeated in the Big Ten. Oklahoma State, close game, escapes Texas, 32-24. to This loss, back-to-back -back losses, gets Texas out of the rankings. Uh, but Spencer Sanders, 19-32, 178 yards, a touchdown and interception. Jalen Warren, 33 carries. 193 yards. That's a 5.8 average. Meanwhile, Casey Thompson for the for Texas, 15 and 27, 179 yards, a touchdown and two picks. Uh, but Bajan Robinson, 21 carries, 135 yards. That's a 6.4 average and two touchdowns. And Steve Sarkeesian's team's defeat. Texas is four and three. Oklahoma State undefeated and obviously high up in the rankings. 
Ole Miss blows out or escapes Texas 30 or Texas orange tea. Uh, Ole Miss escapes Tennessee 31 to 26. Um, Matt Coral 21 to 38, 231 and two touchdowns, but he did carry the ball 30 times for 195 yards. And obviously that's probably why he's hurt. You can't be running the ball 30 times if you're a quarterback, especially in the SEC. Uh, Auburn upsets Arkansas, the Hogs. A little surprise here as I picked Arkansas. Uh, Bo Nix, 21-26, 292, two touchdowns and an interception. They even got the run game going against a very good defense. Tank Bigsby, 18 carries, 68 yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, the Hogs offense, KJ Jefferson, 21 for 35, 228 and two touchdowns. He also had 18 carries for 66 yards. And Traylon Burks, the leading receiver, nine catches, 109 yards and two touchdowns for the Hogs. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I picked Auburn to win in Penn State. Uh, I, I've known they've had potential, but this just did not seem like a matchup they were going to win. I got proven wrong. Uh, they both had a turnover. Um, Arkansas outpossessed the um, Auburn Tigers and had more yards, but they, they didn't find a way to win the game. Um a fumble return for the touchdown for Auburn really was the difference, it looks like. Because statistically, that's surprising. Box scores, stats tell you a lot. But sometimes, you know, you see the stats like, what the, how did they win? Uh, I caught some of the Arkansas game, not all of it. So that's why I looked. But yeah, it seems like the, the defensive touchdown was a huge difference maker. But they did win 38-23, to 23, so a couple scores. Utah upstates Arizona State. Utah seems to be on a roll as the Baylor transfer loses his job, and Cameron Rising is rising to the occasion. 21-33, 247, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, Jaden Daniels for Arizona State, 20-31, 237, two touchdowns, and he also had 32 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Utah wins 35-21. Another upset for, for a very overrated team. Um, Baylor... 38, BYU, 24. Gary Bahannon, 18 of 28, 231, a touchdown and a pick. But Abraham Smith with 27 carries for 188 yards on the ground. That's a seven per rush average and three tutties on the day. Meanwhile, for BYU, no run game existed. Jaron Hall, 22 of 31, 342 and a, and a touchdown. And Puka Nasua, five catches, 168 yards and a tutty. And his long ball of 52. More upset action. LSU beating Florida. What in the hell? Um, I don't know if Emory Jones got hurt. I obviously missed it. Um, I'm assuming that's the case as Anthony Richards was 10 of 19. But Emory Jones, 12 of 19, 161, a touchdown and two picks. Richardson had three touchdowns and two picks in the fill-in. Sadly, Richardson led the way running with 37 yards and a touchdown. But Justin Shorter for Florida, six catches, 113 yards and two tutties. Max Johnson, 14 of 24, 133 yards and three touchdowns. And Tyron, Ty, Tyrion, Tyrion Davis Price, 36 carries, 287 yards, eight yards per carry with three tutties on the day. That was the big difference. He had a 40 yard run for his long run. Um, but yeah, uh, Florida lost a turnover battle, four to zero. That's going to lose you a game. Um, let's see if there's an update on Mr. Emery. Still seeing shit from September. Huh. 
Yeah, I still don't see an update. Well, hopefully he's back soon as Florida's going to need him. They're four and three. LSU sneaking around four and three. Texas A&M rolls against Missouri. Uh, Connor Bazelik, uh, or excuse me, Isaiah Spiller, 20 carries, 160 yard, 168 yards and a touchdown. That's the Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller you would expect to see. Even in the Alabama victory, he didn't have a huge day. And then NC State rolling 33-7 to over Boston College um, as they continue to climb up the ranks. Elsewhere in FBS action, I just realized I was in the top 25. I had talked about this last week because I had my weeks mixed up, but the Ragin' Cajuns blowing out Appalachian State. Um, Clemson barely escaping Syracuse, 17-14. What else we got? North Carolina escaping Miami as both teams have underperforming seasons. Uh, they went 45-42. to Sam Howell, 17 to 26, 154, two touchdowns and a pick, but also had 17 carries for 98 yards and two tutties. Miami's two and four, North Carolina four and three. The uh, Kenny Pickett led Pittsburgh Panthers 28 to seven over Virginia Tech. Not only did they beat a very good Virginia Tech team, but they blew them out. Kenny Pickett, 22 to 37, only 203 yards and two touchdowns. He did have 38 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Israel Abenkanda, 21 carries, 140 yards, uh, which is a 6.7 average for the Panthers. And the offense for Virginia Tech completely shut down, which is very interesting, held to uh, 224 yards, and they lost the turnover battle 1-0. As the Panthers enter the rankings, the super senior picket, that Panther team, watch out. My Wyoming Cowboys losing to Fresno State 17-0. They are who I thought they were. Um, Iowa State beating Kansas 33 to 20 fun big 12 matchup uh, the, the the top dogs for Iowa State getting some momentum Brock Purdy 22 at 25 208 yards in a tutty Brees Hall 30 carries for 197 yards it's a 6.6 average with two touchdowns on the day as well Washington State somehow beating Stanford um, obviously the big news of their head coach being out of the the State employees have to be vaccinated in Washington State mandate, so they are now without a coach. Uh, coach O and LSU agreeing to part ways after this season as well, uh, which is pretty intense. Uh, the American Conference looking to expand as they have had six schools applying to enter the conference as all this conference jubilation is happening. Um, cool little like hard knocks type shows I found on ESPN+. Plus. There's one with SMU, I think they call it The Hill, and UCF has one called Our Time. Uh, it's not as good as production as HBO Films and Hard Knocks, but gives you some behind the scenes. Um, obviously, UCF battled with injuries this year, so not quite as prevalent, but it's fun watching the SMU team and their Oklahoma transfer portal of a team with Tanner Mordecai and the, and the tight end for transfer from Oklahoma. Uh, but they're undefeated in the rankings, so it, it's been fun to watch. Um, other than that, last week, an FCS action my Montana Grizz falling into defeat um, as the starting quarterback. I still haven't seen any updates. I've been looking at eGrizz, Twitter. If this guy is out for the year, is he coming back in a couple weeks? What the hell is going on? Montana Grizz injury update. Let's see if there's anything. 
October 3rd. I already read that. October 3rd, 4th. Nope. Still no updates. Uh, but anyways, in this game, Sac State beating Montana on the road. Second consecutive year they beat in the Grizz. They win 28-21. to Chris Brown, the true freshman fill-in, 29-36, 188 yards and a pick. Uh, the run game wasn't able to be executed, and Sac State uh, was able to do enough to get the job done. Statistically, uh, they won, lost the turnover battle 3-2, to but out-yarded the Grizz by damn near 200 yards and out-possessed them by 13 minutes. Tough day for the Grizz. I was going to go to the big rivalry game, Montana State-Montana, but unless Humphrey comes back, I probably won't. Uh, especially at this rate with uh, losing to Sac State. You know, I, I need that upper echelon team. I'm sick of watching them lose. Um, Montana State squeaking by Weber State. Weber State, although they're dropping to 2-4, and four, a very good team that was in the top 10 rankings at FCS. Matthew McKay, 12 of 19 for only 76 yards. But as a unit, they ran for 146. And they were able to win the turnover battle 2-0, to zero, uh, which got the job done for Montana State. What else did we have in FCS? Any big games? South Dakota State continues to roll 41-17 over Western Illinois. James Madison beating Richmond 19-3. Eastern Washington putting up gaudy offensive numbers again. They beat Idaho 71-21. North Dakota State's in blanks. Uh, North Dakota State rolls 20-0 in Blanks, Illinois State. Southern Illinois, the team uh, that I've been kind of enjoying rooting for because I didn't know what a Saluki was, but the Salukis beating North Dakota uh, 31-28. North Dakota drops to 2-4, but another high-ranked FCS school. Um, let's see the stats here. Nick Baker, 13-16, 177 yards and three touchdowns. They had 186 yards on the ground to beat North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks. Let's see what else. Jackson State goes to 5 and 1, 28 to 7 over Alabama State. Villanova goes to 5 and 1, escaping a winless Albany team. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting after the big upset uh, last week. They have a downer game, but they still find a way to win. That's what's important. They lost the turnover battle 3 to 2. Lost the yardage battle. One, the hell happened in this game? Three-yard run, 24-yard pass, field goal, 15-yard punt return for a touchdown. Gets Villanova out of a pickle. Special teams. Lucky, lucky. Let's see. What else? South Dakota beats Northern Iowa 34-21. They move to 5-2. and two. They're up in the FCS rankings. And UCS, UC Davis back in the win column, beating Northern Colorado 32-3. to um, Yeah, that was it for week seven in the FCS. So what the hell do we have happening this week? Let's see. Grizz plays Idaho. That should be an easy win, even with the freshmen. Any big matchups in FCS? Let's see, let's see. Nothing, nothing. East Tennessee State, 6-1, taking on Furman, 4-2. It's a noteworthy game. That's 11 a.m. Pacific on ESPN+. Plus. Jacksonville State, 3-3, three three, taking on Sam Houston. That's an ESPN Plus game. Sam Houston, top dog, 5-0. Oh. James Madison, 5-1, oh, 
traveling to Delaware, taking on Delaware three and three. South Dakota State hosting Northern Iowa. That's a big game and top dog matchups. Villanova playing Rhode Island after the letdown game last week. We'll see if they can get their mojo back. North Dakota State 6-0 taking on 4-2 Missouri State. Eastern Washington, the undefeated high-flying offense. Can that Weber State defense spoil their season even though they're 2-4? That'll be a fun game in Cheney on ESPN Plus at 1 p.m. Pacific. What else we got? That's really it. So not a huge slate in FCS next week. Uh, how about the big dogs in the FBS, the bowl-eligible teams? We have Coastal Carolina taking on Appalachian State tomorrow night on ESPN2. Uh, that'll be a fun game of two teams that have come up from the FCS. Coastal Carolina looking like the real deal um, as they are 6-0 and and number 14 in the nation. Let's see. Nothing going on Thursday, Friday of note. Michigan hosting Northwestern. Potential spoiler game there. Watch out. I'm going to be taking Michigan, but you never know. Iowa State hosting Oklahoma State. I'm picking the upset here. Brock Purdy, Priest Hall, giving Oklahoma State the first loss in the Big 12 um, as they're uh, ranked number eight and completely overrated in my opinion. Old Miss hosting LSU potentially without the Heisman uh, uh, candidate, uh, Matt Corral. Coral Corral. Someone please help me with that. Um, over LS, They'll be playing LSU at 1230 Pacific on CBS. Pittsburgh hosting Clemson, right? Clemson still has, you know, good players. They were uh, high in the rankings. They're 4-2 they're and two on the season. Um, that's on ESPN at 1230 Pacific. Let's go Kenny Pickett. I'm taking the Panthers. Kenny Pickett going all his way to Pittsburgh. Juju, come back. <laughs> I'm dreaming over here, all right? Um, my Wyoming Cowboys, 4-2, and two, play in New Mexico. Hopefully, they could keep going in the win column after they got blanked this week. Air Force hosting the overrated San Diego State, 6-0 and undefeated squad. Hey, Air Force is tough. You know, they're 6-1. and one. Um, They could potentially pull off the upset at home. It doesn't seem like they have any big wins. Maybe the the twenty four seventeen win on the road in Boise, decent win, uh, but I'm I, I still have to take San Diego State in that game. Indiana hosting Ohio State. Indiana played tough last week. It gets a good opponent. Let's see if they can slow down that red hot Buckeyes offense. Notre Dame hosting USC. Can Cadone Slovis in offense upset the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who are overrated as well? I mean, I'm picking Notre Dame, but you never know. Just like I'm picking Ohio State. But, hey, you know, Miami hosting NC State. Could they could they play spoiler here? I'm going to take NC State because uh, Miami looks pretty bad down to their third-string quarterback. And that's it. So a little, a little fun Big 12 matchup in, at a 4.30 start. You have TCU hosting West Virginia. That'll be a fun one to keep your eye on. But not a massive week in big-time matchups for college football. But another week that we have entering the books. Um, but we do got some momentum coming in the fight game. So let's pivot and let's talk some UFC. Well, in the fight game, some brutal news for Mr. John Jones, the GOAT. Jackson Wink is not letting him in as he is kicked out of the, the gym that was announced the day that I record the last pod. So as he makes his venture to heavyweight, hopefully the stars align, he gets to come back. 
Uh, brutal news for him. I'll be interested to see, you know, if he just does his own training, goes to another gym. Will another gym allow him in? Like, I really have no idea what the situation is here, but brutal news for him. Some fun fights coming up. Not a lot of fights announced this past week, and I'm assuming because we already have such stacked cards coming up uh, for the remainder of 2021. But we got Phil Haas versus Chris Curtis. We got Miguel Beiza versus Caitlin Williams. And then Jessica, I out of her fight against Andrea Lee. Insert Cynthia Cavillo. That'll still be a fun fight in the women's division. And I wanted to talk about Mr. Sean O'Malley. Sugar Sean, my, my Montana homie. Um, looks like he is starting some collaboration with the FN, uh, NFT Cannabis Company. Seems like he's the number one guy. You know, welcome to Vander Sports. I'm assuming that's what helped you with this investment but seems like something that he is attacking early on he uses his brand to his advantage and i i would love to see um i would love to see more fighters doing that because the ufc doesn't pay you enough build a brand have a character do it um bellator 268 this past saturday vadim nemkov submitted julius and Straight dominated him. I've been very impressed with Nemkov. I'd love to see him uh, fight, you know, the UL Romero, UL Romero's of the world. And potentially Corey Anderson, as he just straight starched Ryan Bader uh, right from the whistle, starched him. So we'll be seeing this whole buildup of the Grand Prix that kind of fell in shambles. We'll see Corey Anderson taking on Vadim Nemkov next. Uh, and how about Brent Primus putting on a clinic versus the, the true vet Benson Henderson he was doing better than him on the ground, on the feet, everywhere um, that he could. And I was very impressed from a guy that I, I don't know a lot about. We have another Bellator card this weekend, 269. Um, the fights that some names that might be of note, Fedor Emelianco and also Usman Nurmagomedov will be fighting some big names in Bellator, potentially worth tuning in on Saturday. But let's recap last week's fight night card. Um, we didn't dive into the Jim Miller fight as he was fighting a guy that was in, coming into the UFC, and I figured he'd starch him. That was the case. He had a second-round knockout and is now one way a win from Cowboy Donald Cerrone for most wins in UFC history. So bravo, Jim Miller, bravo. He had a great interview on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani. Uh, definitely worth checking in, hearing his story as one of the last old guys, quote-unquote, left in the UFC. <laughs> Um, a fight we did pick, a fight I did get right. We had Manon Furio with a unanimous decision over Myra Bueno Silva. The Beast, that's her nickname, was on full display as she went three rounds with big-time volume. She controlled the octagon while standing and was able to do better than Silva in the grappling department as well. Statistically, Manon landed 112 total and 91 significant strikes with two takedowns versus Silva's 92 total and 48 significant. She's now on an impressive eight-fight win streak with three of those in the UFC, and she is right outside the top 15 rankings, so I'd love to see her take on someone like Vivian Arujo or Alexa Grasso, who's coming off a win. And then we had the one of the, my favorite all-time vets in the UFC, Andre Orlovsky, with a unanimous decision over Carlos Felipe. I'd also pick this one correct. And this fight went pretty much how I expected. Andre was just too well-rounded of a fighter, and he was able to live up to his Pitbull nickname and get the victory. It was a lot of a grinding, a lot of 
dirty boxing to, to tire out the very, you know, one-punch powerful Felipe. Statistically, Andre had 84 total strikes and 83 of those significant versus Felipe's 73 total and significant. And at 42 years old, he is right outside the top 25 rankings again. And after three fights this year, you wouldn't expect him to fight, I don't know, mid-2022, but you never know. He's won two in a row. I would love to see a matchup versus Sergey Spivak or Alexander Romanov. But the move to the ATT training camp has really done well for him and seems to be paying off at the end of his career. Let's see if the rankings get updated Tuesday. So I wrote this script last night. I haven't had time to see if the rankings have changed. I doubt he's in the heavyweight. Yeah, he didn't enter. Let's see. Yeah, there really was no movement in the rankings. So it doesn't really matter. All right. Uh, what else we had last week uh, or on Saturday? Norma Dumont, the main event with the, the late fill-in Aspen lad. Uh, Dumont, unanimous decision over Aspen. This was a fight I didn't get correct. And this is one of the worst main events I've ever seen in quite some time. Um, after missing weight, Aspen looks sluggish and very uncharacteristically non-aggressive. She's usually aggressive. Uh, statistically, Dumont had 113 total and 65 significant strikes with the takedown. Ladd had 86 total and 33 significant. At this point, man, Dumont looks like a potential Nunez matchup, or maybe she'll get the Holly Holm matchup that she wanted. Uh, she's won three in a row, and Ladd herself is on an opposite side. Although she didn't move in the rankings because this was a weight class above, she's really going to have to look in the mirror if she wants to stay anywhere close to contention. She's got to make weight. She's got to get a team around her, and she's got to execute. I could see her fighting Irene Aldana or Sarah McMahon at this point, but a very tough night in the office for her after already getting all that slander from the weight cut miss and everything else that she's dealt with. Which sets us up for another fight night card before a pay-per-view. It's not even a pay-per-view. It's a, it's a UFC headlining card, but it's actually free on ESPN Plus as long as you got an ESPN Plus subscription. We'll get to that here in a second. Um, but the fight night this weekend is a 1 p.m. Pacific main card start. Uh, Jonathan Martinez was supposed to fight Aaron Phillips after Chris Matino pulled out. Um, but then Phillips called it off after this weekend due to illness. So I'm still not sure if Martinez is going to get an opponent for this. Uh, but we do have a fun prelim fight. We have Jun Yung, the Iron Turtle Park, 30-year-old fighter with a 13-4 record versus Gregory Robocop Rodriguez, the 29-year-old fighter with a 10-3 and record. Now, Park is on a three-fight winning streak and is 3-1 and since getting his UFC contract. Rodriguez is also on a three-fight winning streak, and I was really impressed with his last win that we talked about here on Business and Buckets versus a guy I like, Dusko Todorovic. And both fighters are very well-rounded and have won fights by decision, knockout, and submission, so they're not a one-trick pony. Uh, but the winner of this fight will be getting some big dogs in a very stacked middleweight division, I'm going to take RoboCop Rodriguez after his last performance. This man is straight fucking juiced and jacked, and I figured that muscle would tire him out. He was able to go three rounds really well against Dusko. I'm going to take him over the Iron Turtle, put it on the parlay, mark that ish down, and let's get that bread. Moving to the main card, we got Nikolai Najumariano, the 27-year-old fighter with a 10-1 record. Versus Isaac, the Hurricane Villanueva, the true vet at 37 with an 18-12 and 12 record. That's 30 professional fights. 
Uh, Nikolai is on a one-fight winning streak and is 1-1 one one since entering the UFC. Six of his 10 wins are via knockout, and he has a 5-inch reach advantage against Villanueva. Meanwhile, Isaac is on a one-fight losing streak. He has lost three of his last four, and he is definitely in win-now mode, and he's a true MMA vet. Uh, you know, he's tough and willing to, 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 to book a fight against anyone any week. I'm going to have to take the younger striker here with the big reach advantage. I think he's going to use that to his advantage. And I think both fighters really will be fighting for their UFC life. So it should be fun. Should be a banger. I'm going to take Nikolai, put it on the parlay, mark it down. Let's get that bread. Then we have Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres, the 33-year-old fighter with an 18-12 and 12 record versus Singwoo Sting Choi, 26 years old with a 10-3 and 3 record. Alex is an orthodox fighter. He's a tough alum, ultimate fighter alum, and a true vet of the UFC with 24 UFC fights. 24 of his 30 professional. He's on a four-fight winning streak. Meanwhile, Singwoo has a Muay Thai background and is on a three-fight winning streak and is 3-2 and two in the UFC. Six of his 10 wins are via knockout. And this is going to be a fun showcase between two very well-rounded fighters rolling with momentum in the featherweight division. I like my Bruce Leroy a little too much, though. I think that, you know, unorthodox st uh, fighting style is going to get the best of Mr. Uh, Singwoo. So I'm going to put Alex on the parlay. Mark it down. Let's get that bread. We have Grant KGD Dawson, the 27-year-old fighter with a very impressive 17-1 record, versus Ricky the Gladiator Glenn, who's 32 with a 22-6-1 record. Dawson now is on an eight-fight winning streak with five of these in the UFC, and one of those being a Dana White Contender Series fight. He's got a brown belt in BJJ, is definitely a budding prospect in this potentially, in my opinion, the most stacked class in all of UFC, the lightweight division, and he isn't even in his prime yet at 27. 11 of his 17 wins are via submission, so he is well-rounded. Ricky's pretty well-rounded as well. He's got a background in wrestling, boxing, and BJJ. He also has a brown belt in BJJ. He's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-2 two and two in his last four. Ricky has faced some very good competition and has some pretty good wins on his record, such as Gavin Tucker back in 2017. 13 of his 22 wins are via knockout. But I believe Grant is on another level than Ricky, even though Ricky has the experience. And I think Grant's going to be aggressive with the striking mixed with the grappling and will come away with this one, potentially even a submission, and that'll put him right outside the top 15. I'm taking Dawson. Put it on the parlay, and let's get that bread. Then the main event. Finally, a good main event name-wise, ranking-wise. But maybe not fight-wise. We're going to find out. We got Paulo the Eraser Costa, the 30-year-old fighter with a 13-1 record, and the number two next to his name, versus Marvin the Italian Dream Vittori, 28-year-old fighter with a 17-5-1 record, and the number five next to his name. As you know, if you're a UFC fan, both of these fighters are coming off losses to Izzy, Israel Adesanya. Marvin himself trains out of King's MMA and has a brown belt in BJJ. He's also uh, pretty good, got some pretty good wrestling background. While Costa is an orthodox fighter and a black belt in BJJ, he's also an Ultimate Fighter Brazil alum, and 11 of his 13 wins are via knockout. I think this is a fun main event, but I think what Marvin should, if, if I know what the fuck I'm talking about and Marvin knows what he's doing, 
I think he's going to look to take Paula down and grind him out, let those big mustagen suck the air away, and tire him out, as this will be a, ma- a five-round main event. Uh, so potentially, if you are a UFC fan that wants to see this crazy punching and knockouts, this probably won't be the main event for you. But what do I know? Uh, Costa could easily come in there and look the best he has after his first loss in his career and come and just clean the clock of Marvin. There, there is that potential, and maybe he gets into Marvin's head and Marvin wants to continue to strike with him. I just highly doubt that, and I'm not a big fan of Paulo and his shitty attitude that he's always dealing with. He's just a pretty boy. I don't like it. So I'm going to take Marvin. He is actually the Vegas favorite. Put him on the parlay, and let's get that bread. Um, after this weekend, we have... Uh, a Halloween weekend main card, UFC 267, back in Abu Dhabi, Fight Island. And this is going to be a 7.30 a.m. Pacific prelim start and an 11 a.m. main card start. I'm going to be in Portland vibing, rocking and rolling, putting some bets down, pay for my weekend. The headliners is Jan Blakovich versus Glover Teixeira for the light heavyweight title and Pewter Jan versus Corey Sanhagen, the late fill-in Sanhagen in a stacked ESPN Plus non-paid event. Again, if you have the ESPN Plus subscription, you could tune in. This is going to be a fun card. Those are two amazing fights, but there's probably like 10 fights on the card worth watching. Can't wait. Bart Scott, can't wait. One thing I can't wait for, it's 319 right now. I got to pump this out. We got some NBA action as the season is starting. I got my Caesar predictions for you guys, my award winner predictions. But before we talk that, and close out with baseball playoffs. Let's talk some of these guys that got paid and some headlines around the league. So the Nets not offering Kyrie extension, uh, Kyrie Irving an extension anymore after this COVID situation. I do think he comes and plays majority of the season, which I'm assuming most people don't. And um, supposedly James Harden and them haven't agreed to an agreement, which they gave up so much to get James Harden. Their number one goal should be to sign him. It'd be hella funny if he'd left at the trade deadline. Irving didn't play the Nets sink. Uh, definitely something I considered in my predictions, but I, I definitely think that unit is going to play some games and finish the season together. They're like outcasts, you know? They work together, so we'll see. Uh, Zion is expected to miss the start of the year with a foot injury. He will be reevaluated at the end of this month. Not a good start for Pelicans fans as Zion's been battling injuries since he's been in the league. Hopefully he heals up because he's fun to watch. The Pelicans are must-see TV with him and Brandon Ingram. Well, Wendell Carter getting in the rookie extension. Four-year, $50 million, fully guaranteed. Mikel Bridges, let's go Nova. Four years, $90 million, fully guaranteed. Jaron Jackson, four-year, $105 million. Malcolm Brogdon gets a $45 million extension. Guaranteeing, guaranteeing him $89 million over the next four years. Kevin Horter getting four-year 65. Grayson Allen getting two-year $20 million with the Bucks. Landry Shamet four-year $43 million with the Suns. Um, the Wizards give Gafford three years $40 million. And then in the dramatic side of the league, Ben Simmons suspended the first game after getting sent home in practice after not participating. He doesn't seem like he wants to be there. He's there by default. Who the hell else would want a guy like that, though? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. So as I pull up my uh, preseason prediction, don't forget this year, we do have the play-in tournament coming back for playoffs. So 10 teams will have an opportunity 
uh, to get in the playoffs and bring home the NBA championship. Let's see here. So here is my predictions. In the Atlantic Conference, I have the Nets finishing one, the 76ers two, the Raptors three, the Celtics four, the Knicks five. So it's probably one of the more interesting divisions to predict. Uh, the Knicks having a much improved season last year, but I think the Raptors take a better leap. I do like the Goran Dragic adding. I think OG, OG takes a big step. I think Siakam uh, uh, performs well. So I have them actually leapfrogging the Celtics and the Knicks. Um, the Celtics, they still have Tatum. They still have Brown. Uh, they have a decent cast, a good front office. So I figured they'd manage better than the Knicks in the full season. Um, I wanted them to put ahead of the Raptors, but I'm just not sold on the, 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 the full roster that they have. And Jason Tatum is a true number one. So, uh, that's why I have them finishing fourth in that division. Sticking on the Eastern conference, the central division, I have the Bucks one, the Bulls two, the Pacers three, the Cavs four, the Pistons five. Um, went back and forth with the Pacers at two over the Bulls, but I do like the acquisitions. I like Vucevic. Uh, Zach Levine should snap this year, so I'm going to have them ahead of the Pacers that are already dealing with injury issues. In the last division in the East, I have the Heat finishing number one over the Hawks, the Hornets third, Wizards four, Magic five. Uh, the Hawks and Heat, you could go back and forth. I like the Heat adding... My guy, Villanova alum, Kyle Lowry, plus the grittiness and improvements from Bam Adebayo. This team's going to be nasty. I have him finishing one. In the West, obviously you already know. In the Northwest, I got the Jazz number one. Uh, hopefully Jamal Murray does make a comeback. I'm assuming he comes back sooner than later, uh, you know, starting in 2022. So I have the Nuggets finishing two. If not, it'll be a toss-up. Uh, as the, I have the Blazers three, the Timberwolves four, and the Thunder five. The Blazers and Timberwolves I went back and forth with, but I can't bet against Dame Dalla by himself. He makes shit happen. In the West, I have on the Pacific Division, the Suns 1, Lakers 2, Clippers 3, Warriors 4, Kings 5. Um, I don't think Kawhi Leonard's going to play this year, so it was challenging for me to not put the Warriors above them. Um, but, you know, there's still no return date on Klay Thompson. I assume he's back earlier than later. I think he makes an instant impact, probably an amazing season. Right? I have them as comeback player of the year. Uh, so I, I was back and forth on them being above the Clippers, but I stuck with the Clippers at three as they still have solid players in their rotation. Uh, if Terrence Mann continues to improve, you never know. This is PG's real moment to shine. And then lastly in the Southwest, I have Mavs one, Grizzlies two, Pelicans three, Spurs four, Rockets five. Hopefully Zion's back sooner than later. If not, I'm sure the Spurs will take the three. Uh, above the Pelicans there, but I have the Pelicans ahead as of now. So playoffs, you know, just randomly, assumptively picking the playoffs. I have Nets 1, Bucks 2, Heat 3, Hawks 4, Sixers 5, Bulls 6, Raptors 7, Pacers 8, Celtics 9, Hornets 10. In the West, I got Jazz with the 1 seed, Suns with the 2, Lakers 3, age and injuries, a big reason there. Mavs 4, Clippers 5, Nuggets 6, Blazers 7, Warriors 8, Timberwolves 9, Pelicans 10. Which, based off me um, having the playing games um, picked already, that sets up Nets versus Celtics. I have the Nets moving on. Bucks versus Raptors. I have the Bucks moving on. Heat versus Bulls. I have the Heat moving on. Uh, and Hawks versus Sixers. I have the Hawks moving on. In the West. Jazz versus Blazers. I have the Jazz winning. 
Suns versus Warriors. I have the Warriors upsetting the Suns. Uh, Lakers versus Nuggets. I have the Lakers winning. And Mavs versus the Clippers. I have the Mavs winning. Kawhi Leonard comes back. That could be a different story. In the second round, I have Nets over the Hawks and Heat over the Bucks. That Heat-Bucks rivalry going at it. Strong in the East, which sets up the Eastern Conference Finals. Nets over Heat. And I have the Nets going to the NBA Finals and winning the whole thing. On the Western second round, I have Jazz over Mavs, Lakers over Warriors, which has Jazz versus Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. And I'm taking the Jazz to lose to the Nets in the NBA Finals. They get closer, but not close enough. Uh, awards, I have Luka with MVP, Jalen Green with Rookie of the Year. I'm already worried about Cunningham staying healthy. Um, Green's going to have the ultimate green light in Houston. Uh, Bam Adebayo, Defensive Player of the Year. Quinn Snyder, give him what he deserves. Coach of the Year, if they're the number one again. Most Improved, Jaron Jackson. Comeback, Clay Thompson. And Sixth Man of the Year, Tyler Hero. It's going to be a fun season. It's a little bit easier to predict than the other sports, not going to lie. I mean, baseball is pretty easy to predict as well, although the Dodgers find themselves down. I think that game's actually live right now. Let's see. Yep, Dodgers up 2-0, but they're down 2-0 in the series. So I figured they'd win today with Bueller on the mound. We'll talk about baseball in a second. So that's my season predictions. Tonight's the first night, TNT doubleheader. The Bucks hosting the Nets. That's going to be fun. The Lakers hosting the Warriors. Week one, you never know. There's some people that are out for both squads. Obviously, you know, Kyrie, Talon, Horton Tucker is going to be out for a while for the Lakers. I have Steph Curry snapping tonight on the Lakers defense to win. And I'm going to take the, the Nets on the road as well. Um, as I think KD just wants revenge just because. Uh, but this is going to be fun. A good way to welcome into the season. Uh, my Jazz first game tomorrow night. They play the Thunder. Um, you know, hopefully they kick ass there. Some noteworthy matchups tomorrow. The 76ers playing the Pelicans. Just a lot of drama with both teams. No Zion, Ben Simmons, and the whole issue there. Uh, the Suns hosting the Nuggets on ESPN starting at 7 Pacific tomorrow night. That's going to be a blast. Uh, moving into Thursday, we have Hawks hosting the Mavericks and Heat hosting the Bucks and Warriors hosting the Clippers. Uh, Thursday, you get the TNT doubleheader. Hawks, Mavs, Warriors, Clippers. Those are going to be some fun games. Uh, moving into Friday, you have the 76ers hosting the Nets on ESPN. The Celtics hosting the Raptors. Those could be two guy, two teams right in the fringe of playoffs. Uh, the Nuggets hosting the Spurs. And the Lakers hosting the Suns. Western Conference pot potential playoff matchup. Into Saturday, the Raptors hosting the Mavericks. Luka and squad. Um... Spurs hosting the Bucks, Timberwolves hosting the Pellies, uh, Portland hosting the Suns, Clippers hosting the Grizzlies. On Sunday, no good games. No one's watching basketball on football Sunday anyways, right? Um, heading into Monday before the pod, Hornets hosting the Celtics. That'll be fun. Pacers hosting the Bucks. Clippers hosting the, the Trailblazers on NBA TV that night. And then Tuesday, the day we're recording the BOD, probably going to have to do it another early Tuesday as there's that TNT doubleheader, Dwayne Wade. I don't know if he's going to be on the show with the Jazz or what's going on, uh, but the Jazz host the Nuggets. The Knicks host the Sixers on the doubleheader, and you also have Spurs-Lakers that day. 
That's what we got previewed for the first week of basketball action before episode 52. But let's talk some baseball playoffs. The shit's getting close to the end. And there's a a little bit of surprise this far. Um, Around the league, the Cardinals fire their manager. Um, Tatis Jr. electing not to get shoulder surgery. Definitely something to keep an eye on for the superstar in San Diego. Um, The Astros pitching has been atrocious. They're very... It shows you how much they're missing Zach Greinke. As I wrote this last night, I didn't even know Greinke was an option to return. He is starting today for the Astros. You know, I spoke that into existence for them. And I I can't say it enough, but the ex-Cubs and Dodgers balling out, right? Jock Peterson, Chris Taylor getting everyday time, just balling out. Kiki Hernandez, um, uh, Kyle Schwarber. It's funny seeing these two teams' ex-players just uh, out there and, and straight balling. Um... Yeah, so last week we ended on, I had the show out Wednesday, put it out on Thursday. Uh, Thursday action, we had Game 5 of Dodgers-Giants. Crazy that a 107-win team had to play a 106-win team, but the series, of course, goes to five games, and the Dodgers end up squeaking by 2-1. to one. A lot of this had to do with um, the, the pitching of the Dodgers as they started with a, a, a opener, Corley Knable, they added Bruce Gratterall in there as well. Uh, Julio Urias did pitch four innings, one earned with five Ks. And Scherzer, the starting pitcher, Scherzer with the closeout. Jansen pitched in the eighth. You put Scherzer in for the nine. He gets two strikeouts. They beat the uh, rival, state rival, the Bay rival, San Francisco Giants. But how about Logan Webb? If you're a fantasy player like I am, He's going to be high on a radar next year. Seven innings pitched, one earned, seven Ks. Uh, Doval came in in the bullpen, gave up a run. Uh, Gosman clawed him out. Ruff hit a home run. Um, and Chris Bryant was twofer, but it wasn't enough as the really historic season for the Giants comes to an end. Crazy, man. Sports are fucking crazy sometimes. On Friday, game one, the Astros beating the Red Sox 5-4. to four. Uh, This was a fun game for sure. Uh, Kiki Hernandez staying hot four for five with two RBIs Devers two for five um, Kiki having two home runs and Chris Sell started out rough two and two thirds innings pitched one earned two K's on the Astros side Carlos Correa three of four uh, McCormick three of four Altuve with the home run Correa with the home run Valdez two and two thirds is all he made as well Six hits, two earned, and, and uh, two strikeouts as the bullpen was flexed there. Moving into Saturday, the Red Sox even up the series 9-5 to five to go 1-1. One, one and one. Um, That offense exploded. Kiki Hernandez staying hot, 2-4. for four. Bogarts, Verdugo, and J.D. Martinez all picking up two hits. Kiki Hernandez with his third postseason home run. Martinez goes yard. Devers goes yard. Uh, Nathan Avaldi five and a third, three earned, three Ks. On the Astros' side, Kyle Tucker and uh, Uriel with two hits apiece. Castro goes yard. Uriel goes yard. Um, Garcia pitches an inning, five earned, two Ks. Odorizzi comes in, gives up four earned with five Ks. That wasn't going to do it. Again, Zach Greinke, they're missing him. Game one in the NL. Another surprise, surprise. The Braves win 3-2. to Ozzie Albies and Austin Riley, both with two hits. Riley goes yard in the game. 
Max Freed pitching well, coming back from injury. Six innings, two earned, five Ks. And for the Dodgers, Trey Turner, two for uh, Chris Taylor had two hits. Uh, um, Will Smith goes yard. And they started with an opener again, but the bullpen gives up just a little bit too many runs, three runs, three separate pitchers. Which set us up for Sunday. Game two, Braves beat the Dodgers by one again. Now we're now we're on panic alert if you're the Dodgers. Rosario, four for five. Um, Peterson with the home run, the ex-Dodger. Uh, Ian Anderson only lasted three three innings, gives up two earned and two Ks, but they find a way to keep the Dodgers offense um, struggling all day. Corey Seager did hit a home run. Scherzer, four and a third, two earned, seven Ks. Uh, Julio Urias coming in for bullpen effort. One inning, two earned as they find themselves down in a hole, which set us up for yesterday. The Red Sox destroying the, the Astros, 12-3. Kyle Schwarber with the grand slam. Kiki Hernandez, two hits again. J.D. Martinez, two for. Christian Velasquez with two hits. Uh, J.D. got a second playoff home run. Arroyo with a home run. And then uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, six innings, three earned, seven Ks. For the Strohs, Uriel had two hits. Kyle Tucker goes yard. Uh, Jose Urquidy, one and two-thirds innings, five earned, five hits, one K. The bullpen gets beat up, and the, the Astros find themselves down two to one. Tonight, we have Astros Red Sox, Granke versus Pavetta. And then today, already, it's 2-2. Shit, since we've last talked, it's 2-2. Um, watch these Braves shock the fucking world. As a baseball fan, that's what it's all about. As a podcaster, I pick the Dodgers. I'm in a conflict. Uh, Charlie Morton's pitching three earned, two er, three innings, two earned with three Ks as far as 69 pitches. And uh, Walker Bueller, three and a third, two earned, two Ks, and 66 pitches. So this is going to come down to the wire. I'm going to tune out and tune into this. But before we wrap up, we got some other hitters. We had USA Soccer beating Costa Rica to finish this round of the World Cup qualifiers. The next slate of the final round will happen in the second week of November. The Seattle Kraken unleash the Kraken. They get their first win in their second NHL game. And in sad news, Dick Vitale again diagnosed with cancer. Blessings and prayers up to Dick Vitale. College basketball isn't the same without you. When I think college basketball, I think about Dick Vitale. So that's it for episode 52, Business and Buckets. Thanks to Fueled Supplements. Thank you, Juju Smith-Schuster. You need to come back to Pittsburgh. We'll see you guys next week.